Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And thank you guys so much for joining us again in this week. In this week, yeah, it's a week and we're in it. <laughs> <laughs> this week, as we dive into some more games and game topics out there. Now, we have a pretty interesting one here. We kind of, it's... I would say it's like a mini crossover episode between our other show, um, and we do have two shows that we currently run. If you haven't heard of the other one or haven't checked it out yet, it is called the Murder of Grey Podcast. And in that show, we go over various moral and ethical dilemmas. It's a lot of fun, but right now we are running a mini series where we dive into different philosophers over time and kind of explain their story in greater detail because a lot of these guys we know very little of are just what's in the textbooks and what is actual truth might surprise you. Ooh, no. <laughs> it's fun, but you guys gotta check it out. And we figured it might be interesting to kind of dive into games in the same way. Now there's philosophy and games is an interesting topic because you can go over a plethora of different types of philosophy, I guess, um, categories or what's the right term there philosophy terms no terms yeah yeah. i guess yeah like you can go over a bunch of different ones and you know kind of cherry pick and figure out exactly where each game lands but there are some very interesting like bigger bigger topic ones a little bit broader and ones that might surprise you that can be very very engaging and today we are going to be going over exist existentialism (laughs) i can't say that word and you're gonna hear me flub on that a lot get ready it's fine i you know whatever is what it is but with this idea it's if you, you don't really know what it is it's that whole idea of wondering you know what is life why am i here you know, what's the meaning behind all of this? It's that, that idea of looking into the bigger picture of things. And it always has this kind of sense of dread behind it, or at least the fear of the unknown or what's out there or why we are actually doing these things. And when you find those topics or those ideas in games, you often have some very interesting titles to play there. And they become much more memorable in that sense, much more relatable, I would say, because of just how deep the message goes. And I mean, shoot, like even if you're not thinking about it, you're probably thinking about existentialism in some sort of way, right? Like we, it's always going to be in the back of our minds, no matter what, which is kind of the part that's daunting about it, right? But I'm kind of curious. I feel like I don't worry about it that much, or at least try not to. When I was younger, yeah, when my teens going through those angsty years of, I don't know who I am as a person, I don't know where I fit. Sure, it was kind of a little bit more of a prevalent in my life. But how are you about this? Do you go out seeking that, you know, magical idea of, what is the meaning of life? It's 42 for all of you guys out there, by the way. Hint, hint. Uh, but like, are, are you like dreading this idea? Do you dread the idea of who are you? What should you be doing or all this stuff? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that really like dwells on this unless they are like a teenager. You know, I learned not to not to fret on it because life is a 
box of chocolates, you know? Um I yeah, I used to have that. I think in high school I kinda had it, but I honestly didn't really feel that kind of dread until maybe my mid late twenties because I was going through a lot of stuff from my past and I was like, damn, like, what am I? Like, what have I done? You know? And it, it really started weighing down on me. And I, I felt like for a long time, like my early twenties, like I did psychedelics to kind of like find a bigger picture and it worked for the time. But years later, I'm sitting here thinking like, what is the meaning of life? And like, what, what is everything, you know? And I think now I have a good grasp on things. I don't feel that kind of dread anymore. But if someone jokes about it or brings it up, I can relate to it. You know, like we all like our dread jokes that were pretty popular like five, six years ago, everywhere on the internet. Right. Now everyone like doesn't do those kind of they don't like that humor anymore. Like I remember like five, six years ago, nihilism and existentialism were like, people love posting that stuff. Now everyone's just cheer up. And, um, I think it's totally understandable to feel that dread. You know, I know that life's not easy for anyone really. And I mean, you could be 30, you could be 80, you could be 10 years old and face it. It's just, the journey after, you know, once you find yourself, if you ever do. And with games, it's interesting because a lot of people, I feel, play games to escape escape that kind of stuff. Um, But I don't. I I play games because I want that deep story. I want to have my mind banged hard, you know? Like, I want to be like, what the hell did I just play? Mm -hmm. In a good way. You know, and uh, I love these kind of games and I want to play more of them because I know there's a lot of games out there in this topic. When I was looking into this, I'm like, oh, my God, like so many games can fit into this, especially in certain parts of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to sit here like, what are some good games to talk about? Because there's so many good ones on this list. And it makes me look at like, you know, there's a lot of games out there that touch on different schools of philosophy and the existential side of all this, like the games are freaking cool. Like we could go on forever talking about some of these games, but um, I'm pretty excited about the ones we kind of chose for today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it'll be fun. You know, I like thinking about the darker side of games. Do you understand? <laughs> yeah, it is very interesting. And like you said, there's going to be plenty more games and plenty more ideas that we can definitely dive into with this. Um, who knows, this might be the next little mini-series that we have here because existentialism <laughs> is not the only and biggest one out there as far as uh, philosophical theming. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot to it, definitely. And we did find a pretty expansive list, which is really cool to think about right? and to kind of ponder on. And it just gives more weight to the idea of games and the idea of the art behind games and what they can do for us. It's not just a form of escapism. Sometimes it's a way to throw those things in our face so that we are able to confront them in real life. 
And that is a very interesting idea there. And it kind of like learning how to cope with things before they even happen, or at least being able to see the red flags before they occur, which is really, really cool. And I think that's, you know, kind of like speaking more on the fact that this is a little mini crossover episode uh, between our two shows that like that's the joy of you know, going over various moral and ethical dilemmas is being faced with those situations, being able to kind of see the red flags that come out from those things to anticipate that stuff and then question your own self on what would you do in that situation and, you know, try and make it entertaining for the audience, obviously. But but it's, it is really cool. And it's been a lot of fun to do that. But yeah, once again, if you guys haven't checked it out, please do. It's actually a lot of fun. Uh, and been having a blast doing it. And if you thought that this show is crazy for not taking any weeks off, guess what? We do two of them, all right? So Mm -hmm. (laughs) think about that. That's even more. But anyway, before we get into too much rambling, how about we hop into one of the first games that we want to discuss today that really dive into this idea and bring it into like a new light and do it in a very, I would say, kind of comedic way, uh, a a lighthearted way that just... Makes it easy for the player to just sit back, relax, and get absorbed by this whole idea. And that is the Stanley Parable. Now, this is a very interesting game. Uh, one of the big standout things I would say about or about the Stanley Parable is the narrator themselves. Uh, the narrator mm-hmm. is there basically narrating your entire life. Think of the movie Stranger Than Fiction, right? Like, how weird would that be? if every move that you're making is being narrated before you even do it. Well, this game takes that idea and runs with it. And it is actually really, really funny because if you do have choices in this game, and this whole game is about making choices and uh, basically choosing for yourself and having the idea of free will, or even if you have free will to begin with, right? So what, I love about this and you get introduced to this pretty early on but one of the first things that the narrator does say is uh, he mentions a door in front of you and he says that Stanley walks out the door right well guess what you don't have to you can choose to stay inside you don't actually have to walk through the door like the narrator says that you already do and if you decide to not leave the house and not go through that door Well, the narrator then changes its tune and starts to berate you and basically call you a wimp for not going outside and and like just really, really making fun of you, the player at that moment, playing through Stanley himself. And it's it's really funny. And it's done in a very like tongue in cheek way, very British humor, which I absolutely love. I love that like dry humor style. And it's I don't know. I just I think it's such a hilarious little title because of those little moments there, right? And you can ha- you can play through this game multiple times and get different narrations and different scenarios thrown at you, but it all boils down to that same thing of the illusion of choice, right? And which is a very interesting thing to think about, especially in video games, because video games, despite how open world they can be, how many different branching paths can have or can happen, based on your actions, there usually is a final conflict at the end that everything is leading up to. And it's going to happen regardless of the fact. So it's kind of funny to see a game that questions the idea of free will and choice whenever games don't really have free will and or choice. 
Now, of course, there are some, you know, like MMOs or like you can even say like the VR hangouts or video games and technically you can do anything you want. But I'm talking more of like traditional video games in that aspect, which that's what I mean, Stanley Parable feels like it's it plays more like a traditional video game but i know that you've played this title right what was your take Mm -hmm. on the stanley parable and like how it kind of spun your world a little bit so i played this when it came out i remember seeing it and i'm like this is kind of weird you know i i was really sold on the narrator um and I truly love the game. Oh yeah, it's, it's uh, Kevin Brighting, the British actor, is the narrator. So if anyone's familiar, he's with been him. in a lot of other mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, he's been okay. in quite a few things. Um, and you know, at the time that game came out, it was kind of groundbreaking for what it was. You know, it was a play on the on the industry, everything that you said. Like it was just very radical compared to anything else really that was released you know it's it's weird i don't think it's for everybody you know i think some people might be bored of it or they they won't be into it but i i truly love it you know it's it's a short game there's multiple endings because there's multiple dumb things you can do to piss off the narrator and i love it like it's it's really funny and it it really makes you want to explore and i think it was one of the few games that i enjoyed so much that i i wanted to see everything you know and there was an achievement where it's like don't play the game for five years and then come back i think it's five might be seven i I believe it um it's five which is a funny achievement right like yeah and you know they they just released like an extended cut of it recently uh that i really want to play because it it looks fun too, you know. And I played uh, the other game made by Davy Rendon, mm-hmm. which was the person that created the Stanley Parable. Uh, their game, The Beginner's Guide, which kind of similar in extent. I almost feel like there's more dread in that game because you are a person who is struggling to deal with something they do not understand. Right? You're plucked into this weird world where nothing makes sense and you have to and you start questioning yourself like why am i here what am i like it's it's similar to that extent but there's no narrator you know you're you're dealing with your silence sometimes you hear sounds of the surroundings but it's like these two games it's it plays on the same kind of thing and i really respect both of them for doing that you know i think stanley parable is a lot easier to recommend to people Whereas the beginner's guide is very walking simulator. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, these games are very different from the mold. You know, when they came out, we didn't have anything like it. And there's been games that have tried to copy the style of it. Like how it was narrated, stuff like that. And it just doesn't work. You know, and sometimes there's these games that are just I don't know if I want to call it a masterpiece, but so influential in many ways that we don't think about, you know, like people have gone on citing the Stanley parable for things that in their games, but when you look at their games, it's like, there's nothing in common. Right. 
I, I would say they're but they're that, mold breakers, right? They might not be masterpieces, yeah. but they definitely broke the mold there and have become insanely influential because of that. Because of their innovation, they're they're you know trying to change the genre and evolve it in an interesting way, which is something that we harp on so much here in this in the show. Because innovation is king, right? Without it, there's no growth, there's no change, there's no extra development, there's no inspiration there, right? And that's one of the big things that we love to see. And it might not be like the holy crap, amazing, like number wise, right? It's not making millions of dollars like some of these AAA titles that just do rinse and repeat. But it's one of those titles that's going to be remembered for a long, long time. And I think that's much more worth it because that's going to be one that, like you said, is going to inspire game developers, even if their title has nothing to do with Stanley Parable or is any way, shape or form like it. It is an inspiration for them, which is so much more impactful as far as the genre goes. Kind of keeping in the vein of uh, it's funny because I'm looking at like my list of like games that are all like that deal with the subject. And a lot of them are they all kind of have something in common with each other. And that's. I don't want to say walking simulator, but it they're all like kind of first person, you know, light puzzles. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It it makes me wonder, like, is this the perfect kind of like playing experience for these topics? You know, mm-hmm. I think some uh, like other games that touch on kind of dread a little bit like, um, I mean, Firewatch, you could say, even uh, The Witness. Like, there's so many that have that kind of, like, feeling, you know? And um, one that I kind of made me think about this topic, uh, well, there's multiple, but Talos Principle mm-hmm. was uh, a game that really surprised me. I never beat it. I will put it that much. The puzzles, at the time I was playing it, were not wrecking my mind but i was more so just like not in the right mindset for it but it's a very interesting concept that we see in a lot of games especially when it comes to you know the absence of humanity and the becoming of i don't know if you want to call it secondary life but you know like robots or ai and the thing I found interesting with Talos Principle is that it not only talks about a lot about the mind and science, but it does, it brings an interesting, I don't want to say religious part of it too, mm-hmm. but because you are doing these puzzles for your God, Elohim. I don't know if it's a guy, it's just a voice in the sky, right? I mean, it could just be a voice box up there. Who knows? Right. But um, you are doing these puzzles. And throughout the, the stages, you come across little computers. And there's an AI on there, Milton, who kind of teaches you about the world before. Because right now, the world is void of humanity. Um, there's not really much said about what happened to it. It's just there's none around. And through these computers and doing these stages, you start realizing like there's a lot more to what humanity was. And 
it's interesting how the story seems to take a darker turn towards the end with really questioning why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it honestly, when I was reading into this, it made me really want to go and finish that game because I didn't realize like it was that heavy of a game. Like I did when I played it, but I didn't think of like, oh, wow, this is like make me scratch my head and think. And uh, I don't know. It it to me, it it has interesting ideas, which that's always something that I wondered about actually maybe when i was feeling very dreadful in life was what happens when humanity's gone mm-hmm. you know like what are we to humanity itself um do you have any thoughts on like robots and humanity oh and the dread that brings plenty plenty no <laughs> the the <laughs> idea of like just kind of i don't know it's weird uh, the, eventually we won't be here anymore right and what's going to be left behind is our creations. It's going to be all that speak for us. And it's something that we see today, which is a very weird thought to really ponder on is, you know, we have archaeological sites that we're digging up stuff that we have no idea how people lived a few thousand years ago, right? Like what's going to happen a few thousand years from now when our stuff is buried on top of their things? Right. We're going to have dig sites that are going to be digging up old like Nintendo switches and being like, oh, this was a religious artifact to the God Nintendo. (laughs) Right. Like it's going to (laughs) be like a weird thing like that where people are going to find, you know, E.T. in a landfill and be like, oh, this must have been like the spawn of Satan or something. Right. Because it's there in a landfill like there's going to be like misconceptions there. And I think that's one of the biggest thoughts that I've had is like how many things are going to be taken out of context and how much is going to be misconstrued based on the, you know, the mindset of the people in the future. Like our mindset and where we are in life right now is what determines how we interpret like the artifacts from our past. So it is kind of interesting to think about that idea. And if it's not us doing it, and it might be, you know, AI that's left behind, machinery that we're making smarter every day, are they going to cognitively be able to look at that and interpret culture or is it only going to be looked at as like means of survival and what was the purpose of this it must be garbage right like there's this beautiful Mm. architect out here or architecture here but it did nothing for their survival obviously because we're gone and it might have been like redundant architecture or like useless pillars put around everywhere for just aesthetic reasons to an AI bot or, you know, like advanced technology, does that make sense? Or is that going to be looked at as waste, right? Like, and just kind of play into the idea that we wasted our time and our resources on these things instead of just making, you know, like perfect square houses or whatever, right? Like whatever the most efficient use of our tools are. So that's definitely something I've been thinking about. And like, I think that's a really interesting idea to you in the, in, in Talos Project or Talos Principle, because when you look at the scenery itself, it is a gorgeous setting. Like, it is a really beautiful-looking game. And it's so funny when you look at it because it's so unassuming. When I first picked it up, I actually... I always thought it was kind of cool-looking, but this is one of the rare games that my fiancé wanted to check out. I was like, oh, weird. Like, why do you want to play this game? I don't really understand why, but sure, we'll get it. 
And she was playing it for a little bit and she really got into it. But like she didn't it didn't like grab her because she wasn't really paying attention to the story aspects of it. She was just kind of just doing the puzzles. And it is kind of weird that like some of these games that have the much bigger meanings behind them or hidden messages are simple puzzle games or seemingly simple puzzle games. And I've been trying to figure out why that is. Why do puzzle games do so well to convey heavy messages like this? And they open your mind. I think so. I think they open your mind. You're like you're in a position of learning, right? When you're learning these mechanics of the puzzles, and it's not just learning mechanics, it's it's simple enough for anybody to grasp. So you don't need to be a gamer to really dive into a puzzle game. You just need to want to play or to do a puzzle at that moment. So you're already in a mindset that's a little bit more open to understanding rules, to figuring things out, to paying attention to everything that's around you to see if you can use it as a tool or an, or something like that. And while you're perusing around the environment to figure out what's going on, you're subconsciously you know, soaking in all of this information that might lead to the story later where you might run in run across some like you know broken statue and that happens to be a point where you can connect a light source now well your mind for a minute is going to be why is this statue broken and you know it's the future so maybe it could just be natural erosion but whenever you get that little nod of you know maybe there was a military revolt there you're going to subconsciously remember that statue and it's just going to kind of put all those pieces in place like a puzzle as well, right? Like you're unfolding the history behind this world and how we got there without actually having to do it, but you're gathering the pieces along the way, along the journey, which is kind of interesting. So it's very simple mechanics so that anybody can play. And the idea of being open to solve something, whether it's solving a puzzle or solving what happened here even if that's the subconscious level of it. At least that's my opinion of it. I, I, you know, who knows? Maybe they just wanted to have something where they can overlay any kind of message they want with some cool robots and some beautiful scenery, right? Like that could just be the original intent behind it, but it became so much more as people interpreted things. But that's the beauty of art. It's up to your interpretation to kind of see where it goes and, you know, how far it can be taken. Like I can't tell you how many times in art school, I would draw something that I just thought looked cool. And someone would come up and critique it and come up with this amazing like backstory behind it. And I'm like, yeah, dope. That's what I meant. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, nope, not at all. Not even close. Like there's this one drawing I did of a tree. I did I drew a picture of a tree, but I did it while I was laying under it. So it was just like the branches reaching out and like the trunk was getting all big. It was a cool little picture. And somebody actually wrote an essay on that paper, on that drawing, like a five page essay. And in my head, oh, wow. like I was like, oh, that's really flattering. That's cool. And I read the essay and I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like none of this is <laughs> it. I was like, I drew that because it looked cool, <laughs> you know, but they're ta- they're bringing up the <laughs> idea of like life reaching forward and being uh, encompassed by uh, like the things and the turmoils around you and but still finding the light between the branches i was like dude that's beautiful writing kudos to you but bullshit nope (laughs) just a cool picture so it it really is up to the interpretation of not just the viewer but now with games the players themselves 
And it just really, I feel like, harkens into that argument of can games be art? Well, yeah, because they make you think. They make you ponder. They make you wonder about life and everything around you. And these types of games that really dive into thematic things, like even existentialism, really placate to that. They really show off the aspect that games can be art because they can talk about a deeper meaning without really, you know, without spoon feeding it to you, without forcing it upon you, because the best art out there make you feel things without having to forcefully feed it to you, right? Like you look at a Monet, you really love and appreciate it, even if you don't know why the painting looks like that. You might think that's just a cool style and something he really enjoyed, but he was, you know, capturing the fact that he was losing his sight and giving it to the viewer. And when you look at those paintings, they're not only gorgeous, you feel that struggle behind the beautiful bright colors, behind the beautiful sceneries themselves. And so it, it is a very interesting way of looking at it. And Talos Project, or Talos I don't know why I keep calling it Talos Project, but the Talos Principle, That's a P. Yeah, right? The Talos Principle like does that. It does that very well. It does it very beautifully, in my opinion. All right, so I think another game that does existentialism very well, and I think it dives into it in a very interesting way, and it also has a beautiful art style. One of my favorite games out there uh, is actually Night in the Woods. Mm, Night in the Woods mm -hmm. is fantastic, and it is a little bit more on the nose when it comes to this idea of dread and finding out who you are, but I think it does it still in a very interesting way because it does it from the viewpoint of the angsty teenager, the one who is going to be actually, you know, asking this question because they're trying to figure out their place in society. They don't know where they belong. They don't know who they are yet, but they're figuring it out. And that's all that matters. That's why I think this kind of topic or this idea is so relatable to everyone because there is always going to, for everyone, there's a point in your life where you're like, I don't really know what I should be doing right now. And does it really matter what I'm doing right now? Like, should I worry about it, right? Like, that that idea is going to roll through your head, whether it's, you know, graduating from high school, going to college, trying to figure out what you should be majoring in, because guess what? That's going to be the rest of your life. Well, you know, spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> but at the time, it feels that way, right? Like, at, in that moment, it feels like this is everything. And all my choices for the rest of my life hinge on this one decision when they really don't. And I, I think that's what's the beauty of Night in the Woods, because we follow this amazing character, cat character, you know, but like it, it like you follow this person through their depression, through their, you know, go, like speaking to a psychiatrist and keeping a diary and re like rehashing things with their friends and just kind of like unraveling this kind of darker story behind it. But it's done in a very real way. Like it feels like something that you've gone through, even if you haven't gone through the specifics of it. And it's just, it's gorgeous. I absolutely love this title so much. And I know we've talked about it quite a few times. I believe we talked about it in the second episode ever, right? depression episode. And I think mm -hmm. that is, it's kind of funny. We might want to, I feel like, side note here, maybe we should kind of revisit the idea of the depression episode because 
while this game does have some ideas of dealing with depression, I don't know if it really fits with that marker anymore. Like now thinking about it as an existential game, like that's where it lives. Like that's that's like it's per- in my opinion, that's like the spot that it it like really shines in and is able to give to the the player themselves is that idea of self and who are you and what am I actually doing? What does it matter, right? How do I deal with these emotions? You know, all those ideas. And it's, it's yeah, it's a gorgeous title. Wonderful thing. And I definitely recommend everyone play this game because it's another one of those that's very simple to get into, which I think is great. And it's kind of a running theme here, right? All these titles are very simple mechanics that anybody can get into and just absorb the story that's being told to them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think it's it's a wonderful title. Wonderful game. Yeah, that that game is just wonderful. It it stands out to me, like for many different reasons. You know, there's so many topics that get tackled in that game, and they're tackled so well. It you know you could rank them. I could recommend it to most people, and unless they just don't like those kind of games, I think most people who play it will find something in it that'll relate to them, mm-hmm. and it's. I, like you said, I know we've talked about it before, but to me, it's just special, you know, and the developer is really cool, too. Like, it's just it's awesome. I I can't wait for their next title because I, I think I remember reading they are working on something. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's uh, rumors of Night in the Woods, too, which is going to be really interesting. I'm ready for it. And I believe there was actually like a trailer at some point put out for Night in the Woods, too. I think it's called Center of Everything. Hmm. Very excited for it. I would love to go back into that world. Yeah, I definitely want to see like other options I didn't do. So I know there was definitely some stories I didn't get, I think, the best possible outcome. But um, yeah, wow. I'm remembering that game. Now that game was powerful. Yeah. Um, I think that that was a Kickstarter game. Yeah. Like that's pretty amazing. So. One of the few very successful Kickstarters. Yeah, one of the you know the they either they they fail or they like get really well or you know they're praised. It's interesting yeah. how that works. Yeah. I feel like this definitely deserves all the praise that it gets. So, oh yeah. Um, another game, a little bit of a a difference here. Um, I'm gonna try and combine both of them because they both kind of hit the same subject a little bit. Uh, but first off, Soma, scary game to an extent, you know, you're trapped underwater, which is scary enough. Um, you are 80 years into the future and you find out that you are not really human. You are a transport of a consciousness of a former scientist and the world Outside of this underwater research facility, there was a huge comet that destroyed the human race. Um, and basically, you know, you find out that these you you struggle to think that you're not human, mm-hmm. right? And basically, that's what this game is, where it's like tackling that idea of am i really human or you know am i authentic like it 
it's interesting because I think of most games I've like played and read, nothing really captured the the fear and the feeling that this game does when it comes to not not accepting yourself or not knowing who you are. Like it, it's interesting that. I mean, it's also might be because the setting is kind of frightening, you know, but, you know, you mix that with these thoughts in your head and you're just like, I don't know. I was really blown away. Like I, this game, I haven't been either, but I got pretty far in it because I remember we were, I think we were going to talk about this game before and we ended up like not doing that. Mm-hmm. But this game is just like it. It's interesting. Cause I feel like you like. When it came out, I didn't hear anyone talk about it. And nowadays, when you look up people talking about like games with a really deep message, like it's always up there at the top. And it's, I mean, from what I've experienced with the story, like I don't want to get too much in the spoilers. I know there's more than what I, I mentioned before, but it's interesting the the topics it tackles. You know, you have you find robots down there that are like some of them know that they are ai and some of them still see themselves as humans since you know the consciousness of the the scientists were uploaded into these different machines and it it really brings up the idea of like uh i'm trying to think what they call it the transporter problem Mm -hmm. i think where it's like you know when we're in that day and age where we can transfer our consciousness onto a hard drive and, you know, stored in a file somewhere. And then, you know, 80 to hundred years in the future, you could upload that hard drive into a machine and it's you, you know, and it makes you think like, are you still really you? Are you, even though it's a different body, would you still consider yourself human? Mm-hmm. And it made me really think, cause I'm like, even though you're not organic, you know, it's hard to tell yourself you're not human because you know that you started from a organic body. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think like, like, what would you say? Would you think that you are still human, even though it's really just your consciousness? I mean, yeah, I would. And I think it's a very interesting question to ask. I, I, I think regardless of whether your body is organic or not, your mind, even though it is uploaded from a hard drive at that point, still has, or theoretically, right, would still have the idea of self and self-worth. So no matter what, you're mm-hmm. going to, I, I feel like you would imagine yourself as a human. Now, the question is, would society classify you as human anymore? Mm. Right. I think that is the bigger idea there, or like the the scarier thought. That's where like the dread would pop yeah. in where you know, you might consider yourself human, but do the people around you still consider yourself that way? Or are you just looked at as a machine, a tool to be used? You know, and that's kind of like the Blade Runner concept, right? Or even actually a game that we didn't even think about putting on this list right now, but now it's popping in my head is Citizen Sleeper, right? Like the Mm -hmm. idea of, you know, selling your mind to a company that then transports you into a body that can do X, like whatever job needs to be done in the recesses of space that are too dangerous for humans to do. But regardless of that, like you still have 
some fleeting memories. You still have that idea that you were a human at one point and people know that you were human, right? But whenever you talk to people, especially in that game, they don't talk to you like a human being or most don't treat you that way. You have to gain their trust to do that. And once you, you know, warm up to them, then maybe they will treat you more humanly. But that I feel like that is more realistic in that sense. Like, regardless of what I think, it's what society says that's going to dictate how I can live my life, however it may look in the future, right? So I, I think mm-hmm. that's a, a very interesting thought to have and a very scary thought. And like, yeah, Soma is a very scary game. But this idea of, you know, challenging your own existence is a very scary idea. It's a scary thing to really do and to be fighting back against that to say, like, no, I am a person, damn it. Right. Like, that's that's hard to do. And I think the setting of this is beautifully done. And it might be subconscious. It might not be the original intent of that. Right. But whenever you are when you're surrounded by dread when it's like overtaking your life and kind of changing the way that you view things how you interact with people you get that sense of drowning in it right like you're actually Mm -hmm. under the water like you're you're completely submerged and you can't get out no matter how much you swim for the surface there's something tethering you down pulling you back under or like the idea that like in in deep ocean you can't see very far in front of you, right? Like that's the most, that's terrifying as hell. And in this situation of you trying to challenge your own existence, you don't know where the future goes. You don't know what the next steps are going to be because those steps are, and those changes or those things are not up to you anymore. They're up to the environment. They're up to how people view you and what they're going to do because in some senses, people might just declare you a machine and there goes all your basic human rights. So now you don't have a say. So not only are you drowning in this dread, this idea that I might not, you know, like I am human, but no one thinks I am, you know, like you also don't have any say over that argument anymore. So that's, there's a lot to this that I absolutely love. And it makes me really want to play this game with that kind of mindset. You know, because I think Mm -hmm. it's going to make that even more impactful. Of course, it might skew how I view the title and how much I enjoy it, even though it gets like perfect reviews and all that stuff constantly. Like it still has like crazy strong reviews and is remembered very fondly to this day, even though it was released seven years ago. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like this like that kind of title would be like a favorite because of that sense despite how the game actually is the game could be crap but like thinking about it with that mindset would make it an amazing title no matter what yeah and another game that's kind of like this real quick that i want to go over that is less scary but it still touches on that same kind of hopelessness mm-hmm. feeling is uh the near series mm-hmm. yep. um i don't know so much on the dragon guard like the original games but near replicant mm-hmm. uh the regular near and near automata like it's touches really deep subjects and it's interesting because near replicant 
it's such a different feeling than automata mm-hmm. and i always think it's automata or automata i always hear people say it totally different yeah. but i'll just do automata because that's how it looks it it has more dread and hopelessness in it because there's no humans right and there was a war between humans and um aliens and humans created androids which that's what you are you know to be and every, like all of the the ones that look like human that's those are androids mm-hmm. uh aliens created the machines so there was a huge war fought between the aliens and the humans and the only thing left standing are androids and machines and throughout the game you know you explore at first you know you see machines and you think they're your enemy um as time goes on you realize like not all machines are bad you know it was just you were brought up to think those were your enemy um there's tons of different subjects that goes into it goes into mind versus emotion um especially because there's different playthroughs you know automata you beat the game once it the second so after you beat it the new game plus is actually playing through the story but as the boy mm. so you see different parts of the story while still playing through as him and then the third time you play it's a different character um who gets touched on in replicant mm-hmm. and it's fascinating how the story plays through and this was a game that I sat on for a while because I had it and I was like, I don't really like the grayscale in this. Like, it just seems really dark. Um, I love the action in it, but that was about it. And then there was a time, there was like a week where I just sat down. I was like, you know what? People praise this game. I got to do it. And it's a game that really hit me hard. You know, there's um, the idea of individuals versus society um the nature of language Mm -hmm. you know there's there's so much that it touches on and you know as an android you think you are human to an extent like it they look act and feel just like it and it's interesting seeing that evolution of you being this lifeless husk into something more than that and accepting the the enemy of your people and it's it's fascinating you know and then when you look at replicant which is the before game it's a different setting you know there's humans and it's just it's it's different but it still has that feeling of hopelessness and i think the series in general portrays that so well to the point where it does seem very depressing to play through you know the music is very soul-wrenching the the colors everything just feels like life has been sucked out of the world and i mean i guess it kind of has because it it's all machines robotics you know there's some organic animals that exist but that's it and it's interesting because it almost feels like this could be a scenario that could exist in the future i mean maybe not humans versus aliens but you know humans versus humans and what do they have androids you know it's 
Is the likelihood of that happening in our lifetime? No, probably not. Hope not. But it could be a situation that pops up one day. But um, truly, like, a really great game. Like, I, I can see now why people really praise it. Yeah. Yeah, that game got so much praise and so much love. I still haven't played um, Automata yet. But it's worth definitely it. definitely want to check that one out for sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. We've talked about uh, quite a few games here that dive into the idea of existentialism. And, you know, there are a lot more titles that fall into this category as well. Or they dive into other philosophical themes that are very interesting in their own right. And we will be discussing those as well in the future. Uh, we're going to be probably continuing this on for a little bit because there's some really cool stuff here and just kind of expands mm -hmm. and broadens the genre. Like we said, it it gives it a whole new meaning and new light, right? When we think about it as an art form, as we harp on at the beginning of every single episode. And like I mentioned in the very beginning as well, uh, this is a little kind of crossover episode here as since we are diving into different philosophers throughout time uh, on our other podcast, the Murder of Grey podcast, which is a fun time there too. So if you like what we do here and you haven't checked out that show, please do because it is all part of the same Cubeverse universe <laughs> that we have created here. Huh. Uh, and it's it's been a lot of fun for sure. Um, but with that, we will be talking to you guys next week with the next batch of games. And actually, before I sign off, we have two more episodes after this one until 100. 100 is two episodes away or two weeks away when this episode comes out. So please be sure to send us some questions that you want us to answer. Could be anything, you know, what equipment are you using? and all that fun stuff or how do we feel like games or what's our favorite go-to game or casual game or whatever it may be right just send them our way and we'll be sure to uh say who you are on there you know we'll give you credit for everything and we will answer your questions on on the show it's gonna be a lot a lot of fun and it's just so crazy to think that we're about to hit 100 weeks straight like that is a huge milestone for us and it is really kind of lighting the fire under us to, you know, see what else we can do to elevate the show itself. How do we make this even better? How do we engage the audience more? How do we do everything? Just ramp it up 100%, right? We, it's just mm -hmm. been a lot of fun. So, and we're going to continue on with that little trend there. But like I said, that's going to do it for us this week. And we'll talk to you all next week. And until then, bye for now. Bye.